0: Welcome into to The Direct Podcast, episode 78. It is the Batman week, and for everything you need to know, check out the Primer episode released earlier this week. But on this one, we're going to have some fun. Top news, a discourse about mature content, and a great draft. Time codes in the description. Let's get it. Truth is, we need new heroes.
1: Thanks for the lesson.
0: This is the way. In my culture, I am a Jedi. I but... am we're all villains here. Us united.
1: I'm a superhero!
0: We are here. It's Batman week. We're all very excited over here on the direct podcast. I am vengeance. Matt Rimke joined as always by my co-host content machine, Liam Crowley, Liam sodded.
2: It's great. It's March. It's here. We
0: have arrived
2: yeah. at probably our last like little standstill before content goes crazy for the rest of the calendar year. And I'm just happy, man. March is going to be a fun month, even beyond the, the universes we cover. AEW Revolution is next Sunday. Machine Gun Kelly is dropping his sequel album, Two Tickets to My Downfall, later this month. And my boy Swaco is also dropping an album on Friday. So, so much.
0: So much W's in the worlds of Liam Crowley. Yeah, well, also March Madness. I mean, come on. It's some oh, of the best true. TV of all time. I did happen to catch that Syracuse game that you were at the other day. Yikes. You know that's, why I didn't, that's why I didn't mention March Madness. There you go. That place looks amazing, though, man. I've always wanted to catch a game up there. It looks like such a good time. Um, yeah, there's a lot going on in March. Uh, all Obviously, all over the music, sports, entertainment world. But the universe is, we, this is a big deal, you know, and, and we even got another layer of it today and we're going to get to all that all the top news from the universes you love we cannot wait to dive into it but it's the batman week that that's all anybody's talking about right now it's the cape crusader it's matt Reeves. it's robert pattinson uh the batman is finally here after two years of hype um, you know, it's it, in my opinion, it has reached no way home levels. So we have no way home level coverage on the movie. If you want to check out everything you need to know about the Batman heading into the release on March fourth, make sure to go back check out our primer episode of the Batman. We go through every character, every situation, what we're looking forward to, and we answer your questions with Barstool Sports Robbie Fox. That will be in your podcast feeds. It was released earlier this week, and Later this week, two-episode week, we're here, Double Up, uh, and uh, Friday, we'll be dropping our full-length review of The Batman on Friday, March 4th, sometime midday. We'll cover any top news that maybe comes through over the next couple days, but it's going to be all Batman all the time. I cannot wait for that.
2: That'd be fun. I cannot wait. Both myself and you are seeing this movie later tonight time of recording (laughs) and like you said it's reaching that no way home fever pitch of oh my god it's real oh my god we've been talking about this movie since before the direct podcast started
0: and here we are here we are it's very exciting and uh we want to make sure everybody out there is also going to see this movie if you go to see it premiere night we'll have a review ready for you as soon as you get home or you can see it later on but we want to make sure everybody's going to see it so we got a little giveaway liam we do have a little giveaway. We announced it last week.
2: We're doing another Fandango gift card give- giveaway. Those are always very easy because it's nice and digital. And we don't have to worry about shipping and addresses and whatnot. And I asked you all to send in your favorite piece of Batman memorabilia. And shout out to Jordan Tanner at Mighty underscore Jor on Twitter. He sent in a very fun piece of memorabilia. I'm going to try to call up the tweet right now because it had a funny story behind it. But basically, it was the Joker Joker mask mask from the Dark Knight back in 2008. And he got this Joker mask. And he were he said that him and his friend were enamored by this movie. And I remember uh, the Joker mask being the first thing he bought for retail online. We left a party to go home when we found out our masks were delivered. What a fun story. Loved hearing that. So, Jordan, I will be sending you a $15 Fandango digital card very shortly. Just hit me up in the DMs when you're hearing this. And uh, we'll get that sent over to you. Batman on us. Batman on the direct podcast. Have That's fun. Right.
0: That's right. That's what we're going for, man. This is our what, fourth episode in the last seven days? You know, we are, we are diving into this project and we cannot wait for it to come out. But like you said at the top of the episode, Liam, this really is just the beginning of an incredible year of content. We've already gotten Peacemaker. We've already gotten No Way Home, kind of. It was released last year, went well into January, et cetera. And we already got the book of Boba Fett, but there's so much more happening throughout the year. And some months are doubling up on major content being released here on the Direct Podcast. So, for a quick question today, I'm gonna ask it the best month of 2022 for comic book movie content. Let me run through the four months that have double features coming to us in 2022. In the month of March, the Ides of March, where we are right now, we obviously have the Batman, and at the end of the month, Moon Knight, with a fancy new poster that came out today. hey yo, May has Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness, and, of course, the long-awaited Obi-Wan Kenobi series. And July, Thor Love and Thunder joins Black Adam for an electrifying month in the middle of the year. See how I did that? See how I did there? Not only just is it electrifying because Thor and Black Adam, it's The Rock. I mean, come on. And then November closes it out with the double month. November has The Flash and Black Panther Wakanda Forever. Liam, of those four months with double feature comic book movie content that we will be covering right here on The Direct Podcast, which one's your favorite? I'm going to go with May because not only does May have Multiverse
2: of Madness and Obi-Wan Kenobi, it also has the Moon Knight finale. Like that's another thing people got to realize is these six-week stretches of Disney Plus shows also bleed into different months. So the fact that we have a finale of a show on May 4th We have Doctor Strange Multiverse of Madness on May 6th, arguably the biggest movie of the year, and then Obi-Wan Kenobi making its long-awaited, we're talking a decade-in-the-making debut, because Ewan McGregor has been asked about this since Disney-acquired Lucasfilm way back in 2012. A decade-in-the-making, it finally arrives on May 25th, and the second episode would be June 1st, I believe? Okay, so only one episode, but still. Three individual pieces of content, those being a finale a premiere and a theatrical release all within a couple weeks of each other in May. I got to go with uh, my sister's birthday month.
0: There you go. Love May. It's going to be May.
2: Oh, Um, also I'm graduating college in May too. That's going to be fun.
0: Hey, there it is. (laughs) At a kid, you know, hang that up, give it to your mom. It's good stuff. Proud of you, buddy. Um, Everybody, I put this question out on Twitter earlier this morning. Everybody has said May. May is the month that people have, Marked on their calendars for this is my time because you got Star Wars, you got Marvel stuff, and like you said, Multiverse of Madness probably the biggest movie of the year if we really break it down to be a little different. I, I would have also chosen May, um, but uh, to be just a little bit different, I'm going to go with November. I'm going to call November the month of questions being answered. Think about it. We get the flash where we hopefully will have all of our continuity questions about the DCEU answered, fleshed out, and we will have a guiding light for the future of the franchise. It's what I want more than anything. I'm very excited to see not, not just what happens in the movie. What are the repercussions moving forward? Who is the team? Superman has to be a post-credit for the Flash, right? You know, Now that I'm thinking about it. But which one? exactly that's the answer that's the question i'm hoping it's answered but also black panther wakanda forever i think that this movie is going to do gangbusters not only because it's coming off one of the greatest cinematic achievements of all time in black panther made 2008 it's the tribute to Chadwick boseman a fan favorite actor across the world this is going to be a very emotional movie just going into the theater walking into the theater and feeling those lights go down um you know we We, uh, not we, but I talked about it with my friends before, uh, Rise of Skywalker. And there's been a few other movies. There's a very good chance this movie opens with a funeral scene, which, you know, I'm kind of welling up just thinking about that. And we're going to get all the questions answered for the Black Panther franchise moving forward. So I'm very excited about November. I'm excited about every month this year, really. You know what I mean? We're never going to stop. Just like the news never stops. Ladies and gentlemen, the top news from the universes you love in this week's sizzle reel.
2: Back to back weeks, Marvel Netflix is our top story as it was announced that these shows will in fact be arriving on Disney Plus proper in the United States on March 16th. Happy Stone Cold Steve Austin Day. Parental settings will be adjusted and it is still unclear if these shows will fall under the MCU timeline category or the Marvel Legacy category. Oh, and Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is coming as well.
0: Keeping it on the Marvel side, the return of one of the MCU's most seasoned vets has been revealed. Don Cheadle is reportedly showing up in Secret Invasion, an image of an in-universe newspaper shows Brody being very diplomatic in the shape-shifting Invasion thriller. And Benedict Cumberbatch has received
2: a star in the Hollywood Walk of Fame ahead of Doctor Strange Multiverse of Madness. While the MCU Stephen Strange has an incredible year outside of the world of the Fantastic, Kevin Feige was in attendance and even gave a speech revealing that he now considers Cumberbatch and Doctor Strange the new anchor of the MCU.
0: Oh, and there was a Morbius trailer that was released and we're gonna chat about that later, moving on. (laughs) Moving on to the DC brand, Joe Manganiello has teased the
2: return of the DCEU's Deathstroke. The Spider-Man actor posted some great artwork of his character from Zack Snyder's Justice League, along with a caption, new profile pic, dot, dot, dot. And the Snyderverse sort of lives on.
0: And moving over to some news from a galaxy far, far away. It is being reported that Lucasfilm has locked down their Kevin Feige for the long-term. Reports say after Mando Season 1, Jon Favreau is on the books for Lucasfilm for the foreseeable future. And that future is very bright. For more information about everything you need to know about the universes you love, that is Marvel, DC, Star Wars, PlayStation, Xbox, everything that you can imagine, please check out thedirect.com. What about the people in the back. At little Batman tribute there. See what I did? See how I, see how I got my Batman voice on? Liam, that was a ton of news. Very Marvel heavy, which is very exciting. We got to start with today's breaking news. The news that we led the show off with last week. And we're following up today because there's new developments happening. Marvel Netflix and Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. will be arriving to Disney Plus across the world on march 16th it's very exciting it's it's so many questions (laughs) so many questions already coming out of it but liam just right off the top marvel netflix and agents of shield on your disney plus app how do we feel
2: i'm very very intrigued and i will officially dub a new direct podcast uh piece of lexicon here You like to say certain projects are on Trailer Watch, shout out Thor Love and Thunder, absolutely still on Trailer Watch. These shows are now on Canon Watch, and we will know on March 16th whether or not they are Canon. And I know that, you know, sparks a lot of debate on what is and what isn't. And I know both, not just both, all seven of these shows have referenced MCU events, but it's always been a one-way street. Nothing from Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. or any of the six Marvel Netflix shows have been referenced in the MCU proper, those being the movies as well as the streaming shows on Disney Plus, except for James Darcy uh, from Agent Carter showing up as Jarvis in Avengers Endgame. That's the one lone connection. When these projects arrive, it's going to be super, super telling what category they're in, where they fall within the MCU chronology, if that's how you pronounce that word. I know it's a word, but I don't know how to pronounce it. Anyways, it does kind of open the floodgates, though, a little bit, because, you know, these are going to be on Disney Plus proper, not Hulu, not the we're not going to get the star page here in the United States just yet. They will be within regular Disney Plus, the Marvel tab. What subsection they fall into on that tab remains to be seen. But the fact that Marvel is willing to or Disney rather is willing to embrace TVMA is a huge, huge telling sign for where they want to take the universe going forward. Because Matt, you wrote that great feature uh, over on the direct.com about the different branches of the MCU. The MCU is so expansive at this point that we no longer have to worry about everything being family friendly because stuff can bomb like Eternals did not bomb. Don't get me wrong, but it didn't do what Marvel wanted it to do. And it's a it's a one stumble. They brush it off. They keep moving forward. No individual project is super consequential moving forward in terms of finances, so they can take a lot more risks. And with so many different branches going on in the MCU, they can absolutely take some more mature risks. And I'm here for it.
0: I am here for it as well. It's really interesting. Last week, I said because uh, Charlie Cox and Vincent D'Onofrio have already made appearances in the MCU as their characters from the Marvel Netflix Daredevil series that I believe that that sector, Daredevil, Luke Cage, Jessica Jones, The Defenders, Iron Fist, and Punisher would all be considered canon because I just feel like they've already made that blend. They just haven't solidified it yet in continuity. It's the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. being included with this group that is really interesting to me. Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. was not a Netflix show. This was an ABC show? Yeah, ABC. Right? Good for them. Uh, We love Clark, Craig. We love, um, we love so many characters on that show. I've never, personally never seen an episode. Not one. When, right? Shut up. Out win. Oh, Fennec Shan. get the hell out of here. Um, I've never seen an episode, not one. But I do know it's seven twenty-something episodes, seasons. That is a lot of stories being told in Agents of Shield. They go through Inhumans. They have a dark hold in there. A dark Darkhold, for those who don't remember, the MacGuffin at the end of WandaVision and will surely play a huge part in Multiverse of Madness. So the fact that Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is included in with that Netflix group, very interesting to me. I don't know how that's going to play out. Is there a chance that Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. goes into Marvel Legacy while the others go into the MCU timeline category? Yes, totally possible. But I wonder if they would make that move, they would make that distinction. Uh, maybe they all go into Marvel Legacy. Maybe they all go into Marvel Timeline. I don't know, but... If everything, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. included, goes into Marvel timeline, I am just so curious if that takes those characters and stories off the board. I think it does, because you can just go back and watch them. You know what I mean? If you want the Inhumans thing, you can go back and watch it. So does that mean that we get no Inhumans in the MCU? That's a good question. But remember, they did have an Inhuman show that they decided not to include in this package with everything they included we also have to look at what they did not include
2: yeah exactly and inhumans i think is is a blunder that they definitely want to try again i think that there is a very telling sign as to why these are the seven shows that are migrating over and not other ones per se i will say though i i see and this is going to upset the agents of shields fans but I, if I'm going to bet, I think the Netflix shows go in the timeline in the uh, Marvel Cinematic Universe tab and Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. goes in Legacy. That's not to say it won't be canon adjacent because I do think that there is a simple explanation that Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is just live action what if and that Clark Greggs Colson died in Avengers. This is an alternate timeline where they revived him and it goes off in wacky, weird ways. I've seen season one. I was not in love with it. Um, It does have some cool concepts in that first season. And I know a lot of people say it gets better as the seasons go on. It's coming to Disney Plus and it's accessible now. So, you know, that's not to say I won't check it out eventually. But I'm one of those people that when it comes to everything it tackled, I'd rather that be legacy so we don't interfere with the current Darkhold storyline, so we don't interfere with Inhumans in the future, because there's a very bright future for potentially doing black bolts one day in the mcu i don't want that character to be off the board because another series touched on it while characters like iron fist with all due respect i'm okay with iron fist never really showing up in the mcu if it means that the danny rand that we got in marvel netflix is the only one going forward per se i will say i am less okay with aspects of agents of shield being off the board such as Mockingbird, for example. We already know that that's kind of been something that's been shaped with Hawkeye.
0: You know, it's murky, it's weird, and answers will come in just two weeks. The reason I'm more okay with the lesser parts of the Marvel Netflix uh, universe being integrated here, such as Iron Fist, a character that I just didn't love, Uh, I got like three episodes in, couldn't really do it anymore, Um, it's Thor. You know nothing against Thor and Thor Dark World, but that character took a complete 180 between Dark World and Ragnarok, and you know very swiftly became one of the more lovable characters in the MCU after being a mid-tiered lovable character going into Ragnarok. You know it was just it's just not the same Thor. We don't get Infinity War Thor unless we get Ragnarok Thor, and I think that that um, uh, most improved player of the year award he won that year. I think we could see that the Netflix series as well did you see how many people were upset we did not include black bolt nerd uh illuminati dream teams yeah and mr fantastic too and mr fantastic as well but we will find out soon enough liam there was a morbius trailer did you see it <laughs> yeah matt
2: i feel like i also saw the whole movie in it too and michael keaton was in it <laughs> probably <laughs> every cool. scene of his
0: yeah All right. So new Morbius trailer. It's great that it's great that they released this final trailer ahead of the movie coming out um, April 1st, March 30th, April 1st. That's going to be a busy couple of days here on the direct podcast. Um, I'm thinking a double review uh, episode because who knows how long we'll be reviewing either of those episodes, either of those things. Um, So I do want to ask you, do you have one, just any new thoughts coming off of this trailer? Is it your Michael Keaton scene theory? It's uh, my my one thought is I'm I'm sorry
2: to be a little negative on this story, but I'm not falling for it again because the Venom Let There Be Carnage marketing campaign was an absolute trick. It was an absolute smoke and mirrors run of just telling us to get excited about this post credit scene that still lives in my head rent free as one of the stupidest scenes I've seen at the theaters. I've, I was angry leaving that movie, Matt. And that happens so very rarely. I see tweets all the time about people. Uh, there was a tweet, some guy, it went viral. He was like random thought that I'm being completely serious on, but I'm jealous of people who know the difference between a good and bad movie. Every time I leave a movie, I just think about, it. I had a good experience. And yeah. I implore you to watch venom Let There Be carnage. And you'll understand what's the difference between a good and bad movie is this marketing campaign, the tagline of a new Marvel legend Arrives bullshit. I don't believe that for a second. Uh, I think that they're just trying to get the word Marvel in there to get people excited. Two weeks before this movie comes out, they'll probably say stuff about the post-credit scene being crazy, and there'll be a bunch of fan reactions going nuts, and none of it will have any merit because I don't think this movie is going to be any good. And it's that's a complete 180 from our last trailer review of Morbius, where I said I kind of liked it and I was interested. I'm just not buying it. I think that this trailer gave away everything we're going to get, and the emphasis on Michael Keaton in the trailer only forced that more because I see that and I just see them trying to shine a light on the universe implications get me excited about this damn character man like get me excited about Michael Morbius not about whether it's connected to the TASM universe or the MCU or maybe the Raimi or is it tied to Venom no like it's an individual story like you look at something like Moon Knight and that marketing campaign, and how jazzed we can get about a brand new character and not have to rely on any MCU ties. Like, correct me if I'm wrong, has there been a single, blatant Marvel Cinematic Universe reference in any Moon Knight trailer we've gotten so far? No, Morbius. One, one
0: teeny, a little, but little one is the London
2: Museum. That's it. That's it. Morbius on the other hand, every single frame of every single piece of marketing has been, what's it connected to? What's it connected to? This movie feels like a cash grab. This movie feels exactly what Scorsese and Bill News say about these Marvel roller coasters.
0: And I'm mad, I'm mad, mad, I'm fired up. Yeah, yeah, dude, there's even like, there's there's people on Twitter campaigning to make this the biggest movie of the year, just because, you know what I mean? Like, like there really is no organic hype behind this and the people, and and there are people literally like, Trying to manufacture hype for this movie, I, I was shocked when I saw that, and it's just it's it's unbelievable that that's a real thing that has to happen. Um, I I'm with you. Uh, I I experienced Venom um, when it came out in theaters the first time, and Let There Be Carnage. I actually went to a press screening for it and was so excited to go to a press screening. Also walked out of the movie theater quite angry. Um, I will say just some positives on the the movie itself, right? Like just the trailers and the footage we've seen. I don't like Jared Leto as an actor. I've, I've been very open about that on the podcast. I have not seen Dallas spiders club, so I know I haven't seen his best work, but um, I just don't like his soft creepiness that he brings to every role, which I understand is a thespionic thing. That's a word. Um, but what I do like is he has that in this Michael Morbius role, a lot of opportunity for comedy when you're this soft, gentle spoken Oh no! I'm just a good friend of Michael Morbius. Like that—that that could hit. What I like, though, when he is Morbius, when he is the vampire, he seems very animalistic. He seems like a very much like a beast, like he's you know growling and you know snarling and stuff. I'm gonna enjoy the monster aspect of it, I think, because as I've said since day one, kinetically, like the action in this movie, I think looks dope. So if I, if I can get at least some awesome action scenes out of this. That's what I'm going for, you know. What I mean, that's that's the best this movie can do for me personally. But I'm not very excited. And you know, there's no use comparing it to the Venom hype. Liam Benedict freaking Cumberbatch, man. We all thought it was going to be Tom Holland, and you know, Sam Wilson's going to have a run. But Kevin Feige from the man himself says at Benedict Cumberbatch's uh, his Hollywood star presentation, he is the new cornerstone of the Marvel cinematic universe it makes a lot of sense uh he uh feige mentioned he has been featured in three of the top six highest grossing films of all time that's nuts i think only tom holland can say that along with benedict cumberbatch right like it's those two so yeah that's really exciting uh uh, jacob batalon was this close to wait no jacob batalon too he's an in-game yeah, and
2: Infinity War In too. The team
0: with the handshake. So it's Tom Holland, it's Benedict Cumberbatch, and Jacob Batalon. Shout out to those three. uh What do we think about Feige's statements about Doctor Strange being the cornerstone of the MCU moving forward ahead of Multiverse of Madness?
2: John Favreau is so close. His Infinity War scene was deleted. So close, John Favreau. um But it's crazy too because he doesn't just say. Um, that he is like an an anchor. He says that he is the anchor, which is huge because we know how big the MCU has gotten and we know how much star power it has attracted. And the debate, I feel like, was always around whether it would be Cumberbatch or Brie Larson because both of their characters are not only super powerful, but both of their individual star powers as actors is also just immense. Benedict Cumberbatch, though, is on a different level than Brie Larson right now. And that's no disrespect to Brie Larson. He's just made so many more appearances. He is the grinder for the MCU. He is, you know, in in the sports world, you call someone an Iron Man who puts out all like the work and is always on the field, never misses a game. And if, you know, if only there wasn't an Iron Man in the MCU, I would also use that title. But he is, in the sports comparison, the MCU's Iron Man. He has made appearances in 2016's Doctor Strange, full-on lead 2017's Thor Ragnarok 2018's Avengers Infinity War 2019's Avengers Endgame and then nothing came out in 2020 and he came right back in 2021 for Spider-Man No Way Home oh and five months later Doctor Strange Multiverse of Madness this dude is putting in hours he's putting in work and he's not nobody he was freaking Benedict Cumberbatch before the MCU casted him like he has been a name he is not someone like Tom Holland who became someone because of his MCU role, he was already Benedict Cumberbatch, the A-list thespian known for Star Trek and Sherlock Holmes, and he somehow usurped that with Doctor Strange as a role. And to have Marvel invest just as much energy and effort into Cumberbatch as Cumberbatch has invested into the MCU, that reciprocation is not lost on me. I know this is one word. This is, this is not the craziest news story. This is not an official press release saying Benedict Cumberbatch is the new face of the MCU, but hearing Kevin Feige call him the anchor who we are an anchor is something you build around. That's awesome. And I'm here for it. I'm all for
0: it. Cumberbatch more in the future. I I think that also narratively, you look at the Dr. Strange character and what he's able to do with these stories. we talked about it with no way home. He's featured in that movie because he opens up so many doors for what can happen as far as the multiverse stuff and, you know, the, the, the memory spell and all these different things. They've established him so well in 2016 and 2018, um, also in Thor Ragnarok. Um, that, you know, the magic card is something that they can play well. It just so happens to be you have one of the biggest actors in the world playing that guy. You know, it could have been anybody that has been in a Cumberbatch, even in the comics. I don't remember where I've heard this. It was in a documentary I watched somewhere. The Like, Doctor Strange solo comics never really took off. Then There's not any like historic doctor strange run that lasts more than a few issues. You know what I mean? You got your X-Men, Josh Whedon runs, you have your, uh, Batman runs with, um, Oh man, I'm forgetting his name. Um, Oh, wow. That's bad. Huh? Jeff Jeff Loeb. Yes. But also, um, the guy who also did Frank Miller, uh, you have the Batman, Frank, uh, Frank Miller's Batman and daredevil runs. You have Brian Bendez, everything right. Um, in, in the comics, doctor strange never really took off from a solo um, experience, But you look at every single um, event series that Marvel has done since the mid-90s, Doctor Strange is a pivotal part of all of those series. He's a supporting role in so many different things that he comes off as sixth man of the year every single year. He's Ray Allen. He's your guy. He's, he's the one that's going to bring the team together through his power. And I think it's just really cool that they're leaning into that from a live action standpoint. Quickly jumping over to DC, Spider-Man 2002 star Joe Magliano. who I saw in uh, the final episode of Modern Family, it's just a doc- documentary on the show, and they did a, a pan-over shot of all the actors and their families at dinner, and they get to Sofia Vergara, and there's the giant that is Joe Magliano sitting there next to Sofia Vergara and sitting next to him, tiny little you It's from Modern Family, and it's really funny to see that next to each other. Uh, he put out a Deathstroke picture, says his new profile pic, Liam, Deathstroke has only appeared in a post credit scene of the Snyder Cut. Do we have any anticipation for this character in the future?
2: Well, uh, he's appeared technically twice, but only one could be canon because it was a post credit scene of Justice League. You know, maybe we need a league of our own where he has a full head of hair and then in the Nightmare sequence with the Mohawk. So technically twice, but in technically the same movie-ish, it's all murky, who knows, you know? Uh, what what's the what's the Deadpool quote McAvoy or Stewart these these timelines are so confusing um, I do think uh, Manganella will be back as Deathstroke I don't think that this is a coincidence and I think just the emphasis from uh, James Gunn's side of the DCEU is reason to believe that uh, James Gunn said too before that uh, when he was developing his version of the Suicide Squad Deathstroke was originally penciled in as the leader. It never made it past the concept art standpoint. So it was very early in the creative process. And that might've been a quick phone call of, Hey Joe, we need you for these couple months of filming. I have something else going on. No worries. We haven't even really written the script yet. We're gonna put in um, Idris Elba instead. But that said, you know, James Gunn has how many projects in development over at DC? At least another Suicide Squad spinoff series, Peacemaker season two, and probably a Suicide Squad sequel, if I had to guess. Deathstroke factors into any one of those projects. And I think the most likely option is an antagonist for Peacemaker season two. Genuinely, yeah. I think the timing of this post is not a coincidence. I think James Gunn is already fleshing out de- ideas for season two. And I think uh, Gunn and Manganella would work really, really well together. I will say, I don't know how I feel about Deathstroke being in James Gunn's humorous world, but I have a lot more faith when I think about Deadpool 2 and how well the super serious cable worked opposite the super zany Ryan Reynolds, Wade Wilson. I think you bring in Slade Wilson to star opposite John Cena in Peacemaker season two. And not only do you immediately uh, boost the star power from an actor standpoint, but you also boost the stakes. Like anyone who didn't buy into Peacemaker season one, like all five of you, you see that Deathstroke is gonna be the main antagonist of season two. You're gonna be watching that series every week. So that's my prediction, Deathstroke in Peacemaker season two, but I'm just happy to see Manganello in uh, a superhero role in any capacity. He's tall, he's jacked, he's handsome. It's a shocker that it took this long uh, for that to really develop.
0: Married to Sophia Vergara. That's just a win overall. Um, I think that I, I was going to come in with the exact same take. Peacemaker season two. I feel like this is Idris Elba and John Cena, you know, just carbon copy. You know, put, a, put, put that dynamic back into this show. I think we got it good to go. Um, wow. I just thought about the, uh, the van scene from uh, Suicide Squad where it's, you know, on three, two, three, bang. Um, any chance he shows up tonight? Scale one to ten.
2: Oh, no, I'm going to go, I'm going to go like 1. 1.2. 1. 1.2? Because yeah, I, gonna go one. <laughs> I don't know. I love my decimals. I just think that's with all the quotes we've heard from Matt Reeves about like no Superman, no Justice League, Batman centered universe to have an actor pull a Charlie Cox question mark, because yeah. we, <laughs> we don't know if that's an actual analogy at, at this point in time. To have him switch universes, potentially, I think that would just create confusion (laughs) that DC doesn't want to mess with
0: right now. It's good stuff. Ladies and gentlemen, that has been your top news from all the universes you love. Check back next week for more updates. But for right now, let's get into a draft, Liam. Well... The new era of the Batman has arrived and leading the way is Matt Reeves and Michael Giacchino. That got us thinking on the red brand side of things. Who are the best behind-the-scenes assets in the Marvel Studios family? So today, we will be drafting the best directors, writers, and composers currently on projects in the Marvel Cinematic universe. There are plenty of legends in the MCU that have hung it up. Shout out to the Russo brothers, Joss Whedon, Marcus and McFeely, Alan Silvestri, etc. And there are some new faces who have yet to pin their future in the MCU. Chloe Zhao, Kate Heron, Matt Shackman, etc. But today we are going to be drafting current Marvel Studios behind the scenes roster. Players joining us today, longtime friend of the show, one of the hardest working people in superhero entertainment, the man, the myth, the legend, the machine. Richard Nevitz.
1: <laughs> Thank you guys good to be back and uh, you guys keep doing great work. Thanks for thanks for doing this.
0: We are so happy to have you Liam. We have not done a draft in a very 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 long time. Are you excited? Are you nervous? This is we haven't gotten competitive on the direct podcast in a while. <laughs> this is probably
2: the most wildcard draft I can think of in recent memory just in terms of like where this could go, where my picks should go, and how I even prepare for this because it's going to get very wonky. Yeah,
0: it's going to be nuts. But I think that – I feel like there's, a, like, a solid top core of people. There's a lot of unknowns in the future of the MCU. So, I don't think that many of them will be drafted because we can't really argue for it. But um, I'm excited to see who we dive into.
1: Yeah, this is this is going to be fun. Um, I mean, this is definitely one of the uh, – one of the more out there drafts we've done. I haven't really seen a, like a behind the scenes, things like this. So uh, I've been excited to get to this.
0: Yeah. What got me thinking about it was Matt Reeves and Michael Giacchino. We're leading the new Batman craze. You know what I mean? Like, uh, oh, yeah. you know, your Nolans, your Snyder's when a director gets connected to a big project, you know, that's a lifetime thing. So let's dive right into it. Liam, you got the first overall pick followed by the machine. I'll get the wrap around. We're going to do three rounds and an honorable mention. Liam, Who is the number one overall pick in the behind the scenes MCU players draft? This is
2: very, very tough for me. I I was very upset when I got the first overall pick because even though it's good to get your top guy, it's also a little frustrating when your number two guy is so close and the pressure is all on you to take one or the other and likely not have the other one come back to you. Anyways, I'm just rambling in order to really wrap my head around who I want to take And I'm going to go with the one with a little more experience, and that is John Watts. Uh, John Watts is one of the most acclaimed directors in the MCU working right now, and he seems like a lifer. He did an entire Spider-Man trilogy. He's the first director in the history of the MCU to start and finish a trilogy from the first, the second, and the third movies. And he's been given one of the ultimate stamps of approval by being trusted with the third live-action theatrical take at the Fantastic Four. This one has to work. If it doesn't work, it's very, very, very bad news for the future of the fantastic in both ways, in both the Fantastic Four and the fantastical side of comic book movies. John Watts, though, has my full trust moving forward. He is a director who is creative. He is a director who gets it. It's very hard for new directors to come along and fully embrace Feige's vision for better or worse, some people have new ideas, some people have recycled ideas, but John Watts feels like a spawn of Kevin Feige in terms of realizing what Feige is going for. And Fantastic Four is one of my most anticipated projects, not just for the reason of Johnny Storm being back on our screens, but also because John Watts is in the chair. And he's got to be number one overall.
0: Yeah, that was... Clearing away my number one uh, on my big board here. I, I do have like a group of three or four at the top that I could argue all for number one, but John Watts, like you just said, he's the first director to complete an entire trilogy in the MCU. And he's being handed the keys to a top five IP in comic books. You know, we look at the Marvel, the Marvel studios story. They sold away their best assets to, you know, take a risk on iron man fantastic for one of those Assets. So yeah, I, I couldn't agree more that he is my number one uh, winner of the Kevin Feige Legacy Award on this year's uh, the direct awards um, as well. Liam, what do we think about John Watts and the Fantastic Four in the future?
2: In terms of where he I'm takes sorry, Richard, target. Richard, my bad, my bad. Uh, Richard, <laughs> oh, oh,
0: what do we yeah. think of John Watts with the Fantastic Four in the future? Can't
1: go wrong with it. I mean, we knew this was going to be a good pick even before Spider-Man No Way Home came out. And Spider-Man No Way Home is clearly, and without a doubt, his best work in the MCU to date. I mean, I don't know about you guys, it's my number one MCU movie, No Way Home is. Um, and he's already in line to direct something with Star Wars. He's got yeah. uh, Final Destination coming out in the near future. I, I mean, John Watts is going to be a name to pay attention to in and out of the MCU for a long time. I think he's going to nail Fantastic Four when it comes out. I'm excited for it anyways.
0: I'm very excited as well. Richard, we're going over to you next. Number two spot here. John Watts off the board. Who is your number one director, writer, or composer in this draft?
1: Uh, Yeah, I mean, I've got some composers later on. You know me, I'm the music guy. But uh, yeah. um, <laughs> but um, right now I got to go with a guy who has something coming up in the near future. We have seen him do some good things in phase three. He's on the acting side too. I can't go anywhere else but Taika Waititi. The dude has won an Oscar. He's got Thor Love and Thunder coming up. Uh, he's a fan favorite on screen too as Korg. And uh, I mean, I love me some Waititi. Um, can't go wrong with that choice.
0: Yep. Uh, my number one and two off the board already. You know, we talked about how out there and crazy this draft is. You guys are picking apart my list. Um, I think there's something to say about the staying power of Taika Waititi, you know, Thor Love and Thunder coming up. I can't imagine that's his last project. And like you said, he's got an acting side of it. He also doubles as a writer, which is something that is really important in this draft. Thor Love and Thunder's Taika Waititi. Liam, tumultuous relationship with this guy, but I know you love the person. Taika Waititi, you excited about the pick here? I'm absolutely excited
2: about the pick. And the reason why I say this too is because he's one of those rare directors within the MCU that is getting a movie made that he wanted to do. He was recruited for Ragnarok, but Thor Love and Thunder does not happen unless Waititi pitches it. Like this was not on the books. They did not want to do uh, Thor 4 back in 2017. That character was going to be wrapped up from a solo standpoint, with Ragnarok. And then Taika Waititi said, I want to do Ragnarok too. And thus Love and Thunder was born. Kevin Feige doesn't say yes to every pitch. Taika Waititi clearly brought something cool to the table. And Ragnarok objectively was a hit uh, across audiences. It's not the Ragnarok I wanted to see, but fans fell in love with it regardless. And you know, the Oscar can't be denied. Jojo Rabbit is incredible. And he also did great stuff with the mandalorian and you also said from an acting standpoint both in front of the chair and behind the chair he's got it made taiko atiti similar to john watts glad he is under
0: the marvel studios banner for the foreseeable future couldn't agree more he's a hit everybody wants to work with him you know that's oh, yeah. something that really cannot be understated look at the names that are coming up in love and thunder Talk about T.D., great pick See, I put those two, number one and two on my big board, because I want it to be different. I want it to be um, not the same kind of picks I usually do in this draft, but you guys are forcing my hand. So my first pick in the first round will be James Gunn, *The Guardians of the Galaxy, Volume 3. I mean, this guy has... Created an entire brand for himself, you know, in the Marvel universe, obviously he changed the game of what a superhero comedy looks like. Also just his music infusion into his projects and then you look at what he's done with DC he has quite literally taken over the uh, DC universe with two of its biggest hits ever, like Suicide Squad peacemaker that's one and two on all kinds of lists uh critically anyway uh your rotten tomatoes your meta scores etc um you know people uh we brought it up last week liam the uh, uh the john Bernthal gif uh when uh, snyder fans see a joke in the in uh, the dc movies no 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 <laughs> this guy this guy is the definition of gets it We've seen him do it in PG-13. We've seen him do it in rated R. I'm confident that there's nothing this man cannot do as far as creating a great comic book movie story. James Gunn, the maker of none. Uh, my first pick. I mean, you
1: really can't go wrong. And it's funny. I had a feeling for how this draft would go. I had a feeling in some combination. It would be gun white and Watts in the sure. top three. And Obviously you cannot go wrong with James Gunn. Like you said, he brought out two bangers in Guardians of the Galaxy 1 and 2. Peacemaker and Suicide Squad are both awesome. And um, he also helped contribute a little bit to Infinity War and Endgame. And um, I know we may not be getting a lot more gun after uh, after Guardians 3. He said this is going to be yeah. his last movie, but he's also got uh, the holiday special, I Am Groot, mm-hmm. he's he's contributing to. Um, I mean, he he's a genius, and he has proven his worth multiple times over, and I can't wait to see what he does with Volume Three. And even though he likes to kill off
2: characters, we know not everyone <laughs> is going to die in Guardians Volume Three. And even if that is his last project, he will be a consultant on any film that features any of those characters going forward. So, mm-hmm. Gunn's fingerprints will be on the MCU for years and years and years to come. So, even if he only has a handful of projects left, that doesn't mean he's not, you know, a Hall of Fame level contributor to the marvel cinematic universe it's a great pick and it's a very matt remke pick very
0: another winner of our kevin foggy legacy award if i'm not mistaken our first ever um so uh three directors off the board my turn again here in the second round on the rap i'm taking the first composer Mm. i think that there are still a handful of directors that i would like to get a piece of here I'm hoping one of them makes it back to me but i'm gonna take my first composer off the board a little diversity in my team this is going to be one that i know both of you love you know to the moon and back and it's Luba goranson i mean it's it's ludwig i mean you can't beat that (laughs) uh black panther wakanda forever ludwig returns um marvel star wars everything else he's ever done this guy Em- emotes through music better than anybody since sean williams i believe that i think that he has such a passion for every scene and every movie he does and it really just brings it all together with all five senses and so yeah Lud- ludwig Gorenson is definitely my pick here and i cannot wait to see this graphic with james gunn and ludwig next to it
1: <laughs> richard that's gonna be that's gonna be a really good one and i mean like our directors that we've picked he has proven himself multiple times over you've heard the Mandalorian you've heard the book of Boba Fett you heard Black Panther obviously he won an Oscar for it um I mean he is up there with some of the best composers of this day and age right along with the Silvestris and the John Williams and and all those guys um I'm really excited to see where he goes with Black Panther especially I'm really curious to see how he works it out, obviously with no Chadwick Boseman, no Chala in there. And that's going to be a challenge for him, but I think it's going to be a challenge he's up for in a big way.
2: Absolutely. I love Ludwig. I'm glad that he was picking, uh, picking. I'm glad that he was <laughs> this early um, because he's a composer. Like I said about John Watts and Taika Waititi, I'm glad he's on the books for the foreseeable future because of how talented he is. He's only going to become more of a household name as the years go on. And when it comes to composers as well, it's hard to establish yourself as a familiar name. Most people know your know your sound, know your tone, but they don't know your name. And to get yourself into the Hans Zimmers and Alan Silvestris of the world is difficult. And I would argue that Ludwig Gorenson is becoming more known among casual fans, which is huge. And I'm only looking forward to seeing what he does for Black Panther 2's score.
0: And the Oscar helps. something I didn't even think about. He's got the hardware. You know what I mean? Absolutely. There's- Few people on this draft that are going to be able to bring some hardware to the table. And I'm glad to have one on my team. Nevin's coming around in the second round. Who does the machine take to go along with Taika Waititi? All right. I am going to go actually an interesting combo for me. I
1: like your composer pick Matt, and I got to go with the composer myself. I mean, you guys know I'm the music major, and I am going to go with the guy that started the idea for this draft. I'm going Michael Cicchino. Yeah. Um obviously I mean you cannot leave him on the board if you're going composers. I mean not only did he compose Doctor Strange, not only did he compose all three Spider-Man movies which were all incredible. Those are some of my favorite scores in the MCU. But he also composed the theme that we hear in front of every single MCU project ever since he started on Doctor Strange. And um and the arrangement for the Spider-Man theme that we heard and he's doing the Batman and he's won Oscars. He did the Incredibles. This guy's an absolute musical genius. Can't leave him on the board. I did not know that.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I did not know that he was fanfare. Um, yeah. Of course, Michael Giacchino, Thor, Love, and Thunder. So a little, little stack there for you. Yeah, combo uh, with uh, Taika, Taika and Giacchino. Um, I can't even begin to imagine what he's going to bring to that movie. Oh. Out of all the electric guitar, we got Rag Rock. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I can't even begin to think how much synth and just so fast drums we're going to get in this movie with all the high-flying space antics. Uh, uh, I I don't have much more to say because I'm trying to just temper expectations for tonight. Going to see the Batman Giacchino. I'm I'm oh. I'm perfectly willing to accept. He's going to melt my face off like <laughs> after rows. Like I really think it's going to be front row at a hairband concert kind of vibes here, um in the scariest kind of way. Uh, uh, you know, Liam, what more is there to say? That he's directing Werewolf by Night. <laughs> yes, <laughs> that's, what's, that's, that's what's more to say.
2: <laughs> Not only is he composing some of the biggest movies in the MCU, he's also hopping into the director's chair for Marvel's first ever Disney Plus one off special. So. This dude is creative, he's talented, and when we're talking behind-the-scenes players, he is one of the only five tool players I can think of in the MCU. Not many composers ever direct, and thinking about Ah. the 12 months he's about to have when October rolls around, Werewolf by Night, The Batman, Thor Love and Thunder, and Spider-Man No Way Home, (laughs) all within a calendar year span. What the hell? This dude doesn't take off days, and I'm glad he's
0: on the books. (laughs) You Um, guys seen the... You guys seen the video of uh, uh, Matt Reeves asking him to score the Batman? I think so, yeah. <laughs> when he's in his Zack Snyder outfit. <laughs> it's just—it's such a great moment. Uh, and, great pick. And one thing I got to say, too,
1: about Giacchino, I'm really excited to see how he does with Love and Thunder. This is going to be the fourth different composer that the Thor franchise yeah. has had. We haven't had a consistent one yet. And I think Jaquino G- has a chance to uh, really, really set the bar for Love and Thunder when it
0: comes out. Who's your favorite Thor composer so far? Oh, I
1: love the original, but I think I got to go Mother's Buff from Ragnarok just by a hair. I think it was Patrick Doyle, if I'm not mistaken, for the first one. Um, it's real tight between that one and Ragnarok, but I think I got to go Ragnarok by a
0: hair. I know Liam's with Tyler Bates. Okay. Was he? You know, Dark World? Tyler. Tyler Bates yeah. was a yeah, yeah. Dark World, Iron Man three, Guardians. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah,
1: that's my yeah. <laughs> of course. Yeah, he did yeah. all of them. I forgot Iron he did. I forgot he did Dark World.
0: <laughs> yeah. Awesome. All right, Liam. Uh, here's your wrap around. Here you. How do we do? How do we do on your list? Are are we scrapping? What? How are we feeling right now?
2: No, I'm I'm stressed because I have a chance to get my top three picks, oh. and I can only get two of them because this is only a three-round draft, and I wouldn't have got the fourth one if it did come back to me. But (laughs) I've I've been been debating, because like I said, I said to you before we started recording, John Watts, if I didn't take him number one overall, it was never going to get back to me. The second guy on my list, I thought there was a 50% chance he'd get back to me, and I'm kind of surprised he did. But when he did get back to me, I was wondering, is there a reason for that? So for that reason, ah, this is so tough. This is so tough. I'm going to pivot because this one, one of you two will take him if I don't. I know I have two picks, but my third pick is going to be a personal pick that no one was going to take. I'm going to go Ryan Coogler. Uh, He was fourth on my list and not because he's not talented, but because I thought number two should have been more up there. But then I thought about the struggles Ryan Coogler has had to deal with with Black Panther Wakanda forever. This movie arguably has been rewritten three times. There is a script out there that includes T'Challa that had to be scrapped. And there was a script out there that probably included Shuri assuming the throne, which we don't know if that has been scrapped or not yet. Uh, The whole murkiness about M'Baku possibly becoming the new Black Panther over Shuri, who knows? We'll know come November. But the point is, this movie has had roadblock after roadblock after roadblock. And for Ryan Coogler to... You know, we don't know. Maybe maybe it's a piece of shit. We don't know how that movie is going to turn out, but hopefully it's good. Hopefully it's great. And it sets up Atlantis and Namor and it maybe even sets up uh, Latveria and Dr. Doom worlds. Regardless, he has so many obstacles to juggle on top of having stumbles along the way and to still churn out something that Kevin Feige has been praising from a behind the scenes standpoint is damn impressive. And on top of that, He's going to have his fingerprints all over that wakanda series on disney plus so oh, yeah. this is a guy that you know he's only done one project in the mcu so far he's consulted on infinity war he's consulted on endgame and he's someone that you want to have on the books like i've been saying so often yeah
1: I mean, think of I mean i will say this it's funny i didn't even think about this leah when you were saying it i don't think any director has had a tougher go of a project especially since phase four started than ryan Kalugu, like you just said one roadblock after another i mean to have to rework an entire movie without your leading character i mean that's a feat in and of itself and then you got to work out the shuri story the okoye story the mbaku story i mean obviously nakia. you got nakia all of wakanda and on top of making sure that it lives up to what was the highest grossing solo movie in mcu history before no way home took that title um i mean this guy and another writer director just like uh just like gun just like waititi um he's got a tough road ahead of him but i think if anybody's equipped to do it i think it's ryan cougar and i'm uh, i'm excited to see where he goes with wakanda forever
0: yeah, I've I've uh, you know screamed the praises of Kugel on this podcast many times. He's one of my favorites. I think he's his world building ability is unbelievable. Um, you know, you see it not only in Black Panther, but you see it in Creed, Creed Two, etc. Yeah. I hope we get a Star Wars movie someday. Um, it's a great pick. And and Liam, if it makes you feel better, I was between him and Loveless uh, when I picked in that second round. So it's definitely definitely a great pick by you that uh, shortens up my list and really. Interesting kind of way. Here comes your third round pick. You've been touting it as a personal pick. I have sent my guess into Nevin's of who it's going to be. So I'm very excited to see here. I'm well, if your guess
2: is uh, Malcolm Spellman. Then you got it right. Boom. <laughs> Malcolm Spellman, showrunner for my favorite project of 2021 in *The Falcon and the Winter Soldier*, and he is scribing *Captain America: for the future of the *Captain America* franchise. That I have often said is my favorite franchise within the MCU. It's my favorite trilogy within film as a whole. Him being trusted to do that is awesome. And you want to talk about directors that had roadblocks. If I'm not mistaken, you know, I mean, not if I'm not mistaken. I know Falcon Winter Soldier didn't land for everyone unanimously. It landed for me so well. And it had to deal with the fact that some of it had to be rewritten. Probably a majority of it had to be rewritten due to a pandemic plot line. Something that we'll never probably know the true story of. But still, this guy had to deal with roadblocks, and he still delivered a series that lived up to all of my personal expectations, and he's being trusted to take on the most profitable trilogy within the MCU, Solo, that is, at least. That's big. That's massive. And it's probably not just going to be Captain America 4. He's being trusted with a lot of different characters beyond just Sam Wilson, like Bucky Barnes probably in there somewhere. Uh, everything going on with John Walker, he'll probably consult on a Thunderbolts film, I would have to imagine or series wherever that goes. This is a guy that you know, he's more of an out there pick. He's the most rookie pick on this draft so far. But I love what what he delivered in Falcon Winter Soldier and Cap 4 is probably my most anticipated movie, even though I know nothing about it just because he's involved. And that's a good thing.
0: Uh, yeah, Spellman is a rising star in this business uh, to get cap four so quickly after Falcon Winter Soldier, I think is a big nod from uh, the guys up top your Spellman's your uh, uh, trias of the world. Um, You know, I'm one of those people who have Falcon, Winter Soldier, a little lower on my Phase 4 list so far. It's not for anything Spellman did from a dialogue or character development situation. It's his balance of characters that I didn't love throughout six episodes. Him getting a movie is something immensely exciting for me. You know what I mean? For him to really wrap his story in a little bit maybe just bring in a two and a half hour limit for him to balance his characters i'm so excited to see what he does with that you don't need to look any farther than uh sam's speech the uh uh uh, isaiah bradley speech Uh, everything that's going on with Bucky and Wakanda and all those different uh, emotional tones. I think his character development is incredible. You give him a good director who can really pace a story in an accurate and exciting way. I think we're going to get a lot of really awesome things. Nothing against character Scoglin at all. I just think him in a movie, I think fits a lot, a lot better with this character and the way that they can develop Sam Wilson Uh, Nevin's the machine. Uh, What do we think of Spellman coming off the board here?
1: He was on my list. He was definitely on my list. Um, I mean, and like you said, I'm really excited to see where he goes with a little more narrowed of a focus, Like a two, two and a half hour movie, rather than having to do a six hour TV show. Um, I mean, he obviously knows Sam Wilson. He knows Bucky Barnes. He knows the legacy of captain America, the way, you know, Joe Johnston and the Russo brothers set it up in the infinity saga. I think he can do a really good job with it going forward. And um, no, I'm I, I can't complain about that pick. I'm really excited to see what Malcolm Spellman does with Captain America for especially because like Liam said, we don't know anything about it other than that he's on and Mackie's on. That's it. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Excellent pick there, Liam. Um, and that closes out your team. Nevin, so close out your team. Um, I have one player left that I really want, so don't take him. <laughs>
1: okay. <laughs> All right. Well, we'll see if I do. Um, I mean, this guy. I don't know how much more he's going to be doing after phase four, but there is one project that he has in line for very, very soon. We saw what he did on Loki. We saw what we're doing. I think I screwed Matt up. I'm going Waldron, friend of the show, Michael Waldron. I got it. I got to take him. I I think I, I think I might've just put Matt into a coma here. Sorry about that, buddy. Um, But no, I mean, he is in charge of what is arguably The biggest solo movie in MCU history. We will see if it how it levels with Spider-Man No Way Home. But uh he's in charge of something that big. And I think Marvel really trusts him. And I I highly doubt that this is gonna be the last time we're seeing Waldron with the MCU. Sorry, Matt. Well, yeah. Um (laughs) did you have someone to say Matt first?
0: No, 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 you go, you go.
2: Well, not I think it's a great pick. And he was originally number two on my list. Uh, Okay. The reason why I took Kugler instead was because I was doing a little mid draft research and I realized he doesn't have anything scheduled beyond Multiverse of Madness. And then I was wondering why could that be? He is not currently credited as a writer on Loki season two. It's Eric Martins, uh, who I think Mm co-wrote or produced. Uh, His fingerprints were on it. And then I thought about Multiverse of Madness and its woes and how Bruce Campbell recently said basically the entire film was reshot. And then I just started getting to worry. I got in my own head. Don't get me wrong. Michael Waldron is a fantastic talent and he crushed Loki season one. But I just have my hesitations about him going forward in the MCU. Not for anything in the past. This is strictly just around speculation about where his future projects could go. Okay. If if I was going based off prior talent alone, I would probably have taken him over Ryan Coogler. But I just have more trust in Ryan Coogler to deliver on black Panther Wakanda forever than I have on Waldron to deliver on multiverse of madness. And that's, I don't know, I don't know how to wrap my head around it, but that's why I pivoted a little bit and he's definitely a pick that deserves to be uh, in this draft, but I just have a little bit more hesitation than I do with anyone else on this board.
0: Okay. I got you. Bookmark that. I'd like to talk about that more in a later episode, different story for a different time, right? Yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? That's that's interesting. It's an interesting perspective on Waldron. He was definitely my next pick, friend of the show. Um, uh, what I love about Michael Waldron here, specifically with his Multiverse of Madness play, he also wrote the prequel to Multiverse of Madness. You know, Loki is straight up a prequel to whatever is going to happen in this movie. He introduces to Kang. He let Loki eat across the entire season in a really awesome, fun, and dynamic way. Michael Waldron is a great pick. And it's really depleted my draft board here, guys. Um, I am here with Mr. Irrelevant in the direct podcast behind the scenes MCU draft. Um, how am I doing at Stalling Liam? I hope I'm doing a pretty good job. I'm gonna talk, I'm gonna talk it out. Is that okay? You know, can Go we for talk it. it out loud? This is the last pick. Yeah, so I got two comp- composers and a director on my board. I'm going to talk about two of them. Ah, I already know who I'm going to pick. I Shout out Christoph <laughs> Beck. Um, he's not officially on Ant- Ant-Man Quantumania, so I don't want the graphic to hang me up there um, as far as winning this thing because you guys have taken all my favorites, so now I'm just about winning. I'm about getting the boats. I'm about taking a dub here and keeping on my streak of all 2022 drafts. Um, I'm 1-0, and and um, I want to get to 2-0, and and because of that, Sam Raimi, Multiverse oh. of Madness. <laughs> Of course, of Bring course, it. you picked him. Sam Raimi, um, a godfather of comic book movies. Um, I am very much on record saying that I don't love a lot of the early Spider Man stuff critically, but Sam Raimi's a part of my childhood. Sam Raimi, cinematography wise, one of the greatest directors of our generation in this genre, and he's getting Multiverse of Madness. The horror film aspects we're going to get in this movie lend so well to Raimi here and you know he's getting Michael Waldron to pin everything he's getting Danny Elfman to get the score I think Sam Raimi's going to gather all that up with all of his experience his charisma and his vision he if anything else he commits to a vision as good as anybody else it's the character development that I'm worried about Bring in Michael Waldron and I'm really excited about Sam Raimi multiverse of madness 1000 percent a graphic pick so Liam what are our thoughts on Raimi being Mr. Relevant here
2: well, I mean, I'll let you have the pick. Um, I, I only say that because he he doesn't have anything in the MCU prior to this, but he's still technically an active talent. You know, he's got someone coming yeah. up very, very soon, and I yeah. guess you could argue he has canon adjacent a trilogy. You know, <laughs> in, in the in the back,
0: like well, that not to be a part of this pick. If I guess. <laughs> sure, forget I ever said anything. Uh, Sam great.
2: Sam Ramy is uh, fantastic. Like you said, he's a godfather of comic book movies. And I'm excited to see his horror uh, blend into Multiverse of Madness, because Feige has emphasized many, many times uh, Multiverse of Madness is going to embrace the spooky. And I can't think of a better spooky
1: director uh, than Sam Raimi.
0: Love it. Uh, uh, Nevin. what do you think of
1: Raimi here? Completely agreed on all that. If anything... He is one of the godfathers of all of our childhoods. I think without his work on the original Spider-Man trilogy, I don't think we'd be even close to where we are today with um, with the MCU and even with the DCEU and other superhero movies. Um, he set the bar on that with Spider-Man, Spider-Man 2. I mean, say what you want about Spider-Man 3 it was still, you know, a, a the fun best enough of the trilogy. Another day, another conversation for another day, but
0: <laughs> that conversation, but,
1: <laughs> <We got it. laughs> but, but regardless, I mean, obviously he was said with the horror vibe, Sam Raimi is a horror master, and if we're getting, if we're trying to get that into Doctor Strange, the multiverse of madness, I don't think there's any better choice, I can't wait to see what he does, and partly why I'm really excited to, we had the tiny little Doctor Strange tease in, uh, in Spider-Man 2 that everybody, kind of conveniently forgets about I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing what he actually does
0: now that he gets full reign of Dr. Strange. So Raimi's a great pick. Sam Raimi's brother, the one that is in that scene where Doctor Strange comes up in Spider-Man 2. Recapping the teams, Liam went two directors and a writer. John Watts, Ryan Coogler, Malcolm Spellman, Nevins. He got Taika Waititi, Michael Diatino, and Michael Waldron. I managed to get James Gunn, Lubick Gornson, and Sam Raimi. Those are the picks. Liam, do you have any honorable mentions before we get out of here? The one that I didn't get to pick, or the duo I didn't
2: get to pick, is Justin Benson and Aaron Moorhead. Uh, That is strictly based on the fact that they are being trusted with Loki season two before Moon Knight even comes out. That would have have been my sneaky prospect pick. And on that note as well, uh, Ava DuVernay, Captain Marvel 2, the Mm Marvels, not Ava DuVernay, Mm -hmm. Nia Dacosta. Dacosta, Dacosta, They have very similar filmographies. Nia Dacosta for Captain Marvel 2. I am not a fan of the first Captain Marvel movie, but the fact that she is being trusted to balance a three lead film, that's also a sequel in her MCU debut. That's not nothing. And Naya DaCosta has a very impressive filmography uh, behind her, outside of the worlds of comic book movies. So uh, those are two I didn't get to pick, but I'm satisfied
1: with my three. Absolutely, Nevin, you got any honorable mentions? Jeff Loveness for Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania. He has worked on Rick and Morty. He's gonna be the writer for that one. And um, I'm really excited to see what he does with Ant-Man. And then uh, a sneaky pick for me, Laura Cartman as the composer on the Marvels. We saw her work on What If, which mm-hmm. she did a, I Amazing. think actually, I mean, regardless of what you just want to say about What If, I think she actually did a pretty good job working through a whole new musical uh, theme and composing work with characters that we've seen for the past 10 years. And I'm really excited to see what she does on the Marvels too.
0: Yep, couldn't agree more. Those were two picks that I had on my board as well. Shout out Danny Elfman uh, getting come back from Multiverse Madness*. Say what you want about the Spider-Man movies, the score slaps. Also, shout out Christoph yes. Beck. Uh, he is not officially on *Quantumania*, but he is rumored. Very, uh, he did the first two *Ant-Man* movies, and he did *WandaVision*, which was miraculous in so many different ways. And I'm pretty sure he did Hawkeye too, if I'm not mistaken. He did. Absolutely. Yep. Uh, yep. He also did Hawkeye at the end of 2021. Um, quick shout out. We didn't get any females on this list, guys, but Chloe Zhao, Kate Heron, Carrie Scoglin, Jack Schaefer, so many amazing women. Uh, you mentioned Nia Costa, So many amazing women in these series. They just haven't really gotten uh, their newest projects yet. I would have picked Chloe Zhao over Ryan Coogler if Eternals sure. 2 is official. So, yeah sure yeah and, and it just isn't yet she wasn't eligible for this draft but shout out to everyone involved um over there and uh i think it was a pretty great draft i can't wait to do it again next year <laughs> i yeah. think that's something <laughs> we're gonna do there's a lot of projects that don't have directors yet so i'm excited to see what goes down nebbins where can we find you on the internet i am at at richard nebbins
1: on twitter you can pretty much find me writing like crazy here at the direct as always um i'll be looking to do more stuff this year and uh can't wait to see where we go with the direct 2022 and uh thank you matt and liam for doing a hell of a job on this podcast as always that's uh it was a blast coming on
0: again we do it for you machine thank you so much for having us we will see you next time liam let's get into some mature content thank you nevins the machine over on thedirect.com. make sure to give him a follow on the twitter and make sure to check out everything he does on the direct.com it's probably every other article um liam Marvel Netflix arriving to Disney+. Plus. We talked about the canonic um, uh, fallout, I guess, or repercussions or benefits, however you look at it, of uh, all of these shows heading over to Disney+, and potentially being a part of the MCU canon. But this is a bigger deal for people who are concerned that Moon Knight, Blade, Deadpool, et cetera, would be too Mickey Mouse for what their comic depictions are, that being not mature enough, rather that be language, sexuality, blood, violence, whatever it might be. This is a step in the right direction for mature content here on Disney Plus. So I gotta ask you off the top of the how does this work? Mature content on Disney Plus, the MCU is a family friendly franchise. I have a niece who has seen every single Marvel movie since she's been born. And, you know, there's been some PG-13 stuff, but um, she definitely can't see Daredevil. She definitely can't see Punisher. She definitely can't see Jessica Jones. How does this work when you have mature content and Disney content working together?
2: Well, from a logistics standpoint, it it works by password protecting these shows. Um, If if you're wondering about the parental controls, I believe within the Disney Plus uh, official release, Basically, what will happen is on March 16th, all users, regardless of whether you're a solo user or a family of all adults, will be prompted to update their parental controls and you can dismiss it if you want, or you can update it and password protect some of these shows to where you would literally have to enter in like a four number pin every time you went to watch an episode of Daredevil, which, you know, it's, uh, it's what's it called? Uh, re- repeating. What's the word for repeating? Repetitive. Is. Wow. Wow what a brain fart there. It's repetitive. However, it is a necessary step to ensure that like younger audiences aren't popping on an episode of Jessica Jones because that show gets dark. Like I'm not, I'm not even concerned about the violence. I'm just concerned about the mature themes in some of these shows. Regardless though, it is interesting moving forward because just like when Disney uh, launched uh, Disney plus premier access, they're not going to develop that interface for a one-time thing. They're going to have that in their back pocket to ensure they can use it whenever they want in the future. And if these shows perform well, when the data comes out about how well these shows have been streamed or how many numbers they're doing, we could be looking at a situation where they want to develop genuine originals to go in there. And like you said, you brought up a good point. Your niece having seen all of the MCU shows, will this feel like restricting that she can't watch some of them? I don't think so. And I think that's because of the branch aspect. I think that MCU fans or at least Marvel Studios heads will be okay only allowing 6 of the 7 MCU branches to be open to the general public and then that one out of 7 being just for 16 and up 18 and up what
0: have you. So it's weird, it's murky, but I think it can work. I think so too. I think that, you know, there's definitely some murky waters to be cleared like as you just said Um, What's gonna be interesting is, I agree, I think that they're going to pocket the mature content in a way that it's not detrimental to the overall stories. You know, we got Secret Wars coming in 10 years. I don't think you're gonna need to watch every TVMA project to understand that. And I think there's two ways that they can go about that. I think they're gonna do both. One, you just write these mature content stories a lot like Guardians 2, awesome character development, great story for those characters you can skip guardians Two and understand exactly who these guys are by the time they show up in infinity war you know what i mean there are less consequential stories in the mcu that you could skip for example dr strange obviously you'd rather watch dr strange to understand everything going on but his appearance in thor ragnarok establishes that character enough to head into infinity war another thing that i think that they're really going to dive into and embrace with this potential Uh, sectioned content legends the marvel legends episodes that come out before every single project i think is going for those who haven't seen them for whatever reason, They are amazingly edited and cut recaps of those characters, stories, and uh, elements in the MCU heading into a new project to get you back up to speed to where you need to be. I think that they're going to dive into those even more, probably promote them more for content that wasn't available to the general public. So somebody like my niece can watch that, know who Daredevil is, and now we're moving on. Um, it's going to be interesting for me if any rated R movies come out. Just because, like those are more of an expense; those do require box office comeback as opposed to a subscription baseline. So that'll be really interesting for me. That's way down the line. It's Deadpool three stuff. Uh, you know, maybe Paramount gets involved, not Paramount, um, uh, Sony or Universal gets involved to you know make the movie, and then uh, we promote it. Uh, I'm sorry to promote the movie, even though Marvel Studios made the movie. It's going to be interesting. I do have a quick, fun question for you though, Liam. Looking back. Mm-hmm. Almost 30 projects in the MCU. Which MCU project would you like to see re edited and recut and reshot as rated R or TVMA?
2: There's two that jump out, and I wouldn't want either to go full on Logan. Like, talk about the tonal shift from the Wolverine to Logan. It's night and day. <laughs> but I would like to see Iron Man 2, possibly rated R. Because I think that hits a lot more narratively if you fully explore Demon in a Bottle. And not like, I don't want everyone want to see Tony Stark be like a villain, but like, man, like make us feel like awful for this guy. Like take him on a Jamie Lannister route of like, man, you have fallen from grace since since your first movie and make us want to root for him even more uh, come the Avengers and Iron Man 3. And then the other one, just for one scene, Civil War. Uh, When Rhodey falls out of the sky, like, like show like a leg like lost, like show like a bone marrow coming through like something, something very, very visceral to emphasize the stakes, because they often said when the Russos were questioned about not having anyone die in civil war, they talked about how well permanently injuring someone and having them have to walk around this universe, as a reminder of the civil war consequences, we felt would have a greater impact. And I would say yeah, because whenever we see Rhodey, he has uh some leg enhancements going on, except for Falcon Winter Soldier, if I'm not mistaken. I think he was walking around in the museum without any any biological legs.
0: I don't know. I'm gonna have to look when I rewatch it someday. I, I feel Man, like I, re-watch
2: I feel like the suit he was wearing like like a suit, like a formal suit, not a, a superhero suit. And it was just pant legs.
0: Yeah, he's got those, he's got those uh walkers that he had in infinity war um at the court-martial you know what i mean he was in sweatpants in that scene Mm -hmm. so it'll be interesting that's a great thing to uh, write that down liam we'll we'll go back we'll check it out we'll check it out but either way if if we got that civil war
2: scene with maybe a little more blood uh i think it would up the stakes just a bit more but yeah there's not many mcu movies that currently exist that i would want to take a logan-like
0: embrace of r-ratedness well, um, you, you went more with the violence and mature themes route, which I think those are two really great picks. One of the biggest problems people have with Iron Man 2 is why is Tony acting this way? The blood toxicity level thing didn't just it didn't get put over as well in that movie as I think they, maybe it did on paper. So I think the demon in the bottle really would have helped that movie. I agree. Mine, I'm going to go with the language side of things. And, I mean, we loved The Suicide Squad. We loved peacemaker give me guardians volume two rated r like give me the rated r cut of guardians two i think it could be more funny than we ever could imagine it being it's already one of the funniest mcu movies along with all the emotional aspects i think we get a lot of peacemaker vibes in guardians volume two if we get that at rated r so that would be my pick looking back liam looking forward a lot of characters on the board for who we can dive into in the future of the MCU. Which ones do you want to highlight as a request to Kevin Feige and his team to get that rated R or TV Ma rating? Just straight up Midnight Suns, not even specifically Blade, not even specifically
2: right. Black Knight, <laughs> but give us a Midnight Suns Disney yeah. Plus series because I'm dying for an ensemble on Disney Plus. We've seen duos, we've seen solos, but I'm dying for like an Avengers size group on mm-hmm. Disney Plus. Uh, bring in, you know, I, I assume this lineup will absolutely consist of Kit Harrington and Mahershal Ali as Black Knight and Blade respectively, but, you know, try to maybe bring in Doctor Strange if possible, maybe get some Ghost Rider in there. I don't know, but I would love to see six episodes of Midnight Suns getting down and dirty, like getting gritty, like the violence that you could show and show that this is not like, this is not your mama's MCU, like this is dark. Uh, I think that could be fun, plus playing off some R-rated language, too, would be fun. And yeah, just Midnight Suns as a whole, I think that project is destined to be rated R, whether it's a series or movie, but personally, I'm rooting for a series.
0: Yeah, no, I uh, I wrote down the same thing. I wrote down Midnight Suns crew, everybody there. I think even just from a violence standpoint, you know what I mean? I think you can really put that in. And uh, you know, really just bring that up to a whole nother level, like we see in Daredevil, like we saw in Deadpool. Obviously, everybody's gonna that we do want Deadpool to be rated R. I think it's gonna be rated R. Um, you know, that's an obvious one. Wolverine. I know that's kind of tough because we want this to be different than Logan. So it's kind of hard to do that. Um, I'm going to say Wolverine. And I'm going to double down on my Guardians pick. A Drax miniseries, right? Or where mm-hmm. Batista gets to just go have as much fun as he wants across MCU Cosmic. I think that could be really fun as well. Do you remember how excited we were for uh, the Batman saying a curse word thing in Snyder Cut? <laughs> yeah. Like, remember, like, Batman's going to say fuck. Like, we should all watch this movie. It came in the 11th hour and it was awful. <laughs> It was awful. So that's really interesting. But guys, mature content is coming to Disney+. Plus. Everybody just set their alarms. March 16th, is it canon? Is it legacy? We will find out. But um, until then, we just got to speculate, just like the internet loves to do. Ladies and gentlemen, that was your top news. That was a draft, and that was a direct discourse, and that was episode 78 of The Direct podcast thank you guys so much for following along we really appreciate you next time you hear our voices we will have seen the batman which is a wild concept but liam for now where do you want to send the people off into their weekends
2: I'm going to send the people off into the movie theaters. Just a reminder, get your snacks, get your sodies, uh, get you a big thing of popcorn, get you a big thing of soda, because every single time I don't get popcorn for a movie, I'm sitting in the theater and I regret it 20 minutes in. And I am very glad I reminded myself right now to get my popcorn and a large soda tonight because it's going to enhance the viewing experience. I can't wait for this movie. And I hope Michael Giacchino shatters my eardrums and makes them bleed.
0: Yep, and I think that's going to happen for you. I think we're definitely going to get that. Um, I've done it before. I'll do it again. I don't care. I'm one episode away from finishing up Tad Lasso, and it might be one of the most chemically engineered shows for me to love. <laughs> it's got everything I've ever wanted. Liam, you talked about this show for weeks on this podcast. I can't get enough of it. How great is this show? Yeah. Oh, my God. Right? Oh, my God. I got one episode left before the season two finale, and it is insanely awesome and emotional and funny and great. And we're going to play the theme song getting out of here. Ladies and gentlemen, the direct podcast episode 78. Thank you. If you slow down for a second, Knew you were gonna be upset about the water overall Pick. I either wanted one or three. I did not want two. I did well, not think two. I have uh,
2: there. there's there's two that I want. There's one that I know neither of you will take. Um, so I'm saving that for round three. But there's two that I want, and I don't know. I think I think one of them has like a 50% chance of coming back to me, and the other has a zero percent chance. Nevins is such a wild card with these drafts man <laughs> I he really yeah i don't know how to how to predict them yeah. um fuck here he comes here he comes